Labor relations at the Veterans Affairs Department soured a bit during the Trump administration, you might say, and they haven't gotten any better with Joe Biden in the White House. That's according to the VA Council of the American Federation of Government Employees. It's back in court to try to get VA to the bargaining table. Here was an update, Union Attorney Ibadan Roberts. Ms. Roberts, good to have you back. Thank you for having me, Tom. And this back and forth has been going on some time. Give us the latest developments. Sure. This has been going on since 2017 when the Department of Veterans Affairs implemented the Accountability Act. And many of you will remember um, President Trump at the time touted this law and what it would do for the Veterans Affairs Department. The issue was that the VA failed to bargain with the union over how they would implement that act. So we had to file a national grievance. We won that case. It had to go to the FLRA, the Federal Labor Relations Authority, to basically tell the VA you did have a legal obligation to bargain with the union, and they failed to do so. They asked the FLRA to reconsider that decision. The FLRA said the same. You have to bargain with the union. You were not excused from doing so. So we went back to the arbitrator, and he provided the relief for the VA's failure to bargain. So that was in March of 2021. So it's taken us since 2017 to March 2021 to have resolution from an arbitrator on this matter. And he resolved it by ordering the VA to bargain retroactively with the union. So that means we are to bargain as though they did not illegally fail to bargain and then apply it going back to 20. 17. And then he also awarded make whole relief. So whatever agreement we come to, not only does it have to be applied retroactive to 2017, but any employee who was harmed has to be made whole. And so we're talking about the Accountability Act. So that included removal, suspensions exceeding 15 days, and demotions. The VA used it enthusiastically. So we have to date about approximately 5,000 individuals who were affected by the VA implementing this law without bargaining. So I told you this was back in March now that the arbitrator ordered retroactive bargaining. We are six months later and have been forced to file for enforcement with the Federal Labor Relations Authority, asking them to enforce the arbitrator's award and make the VA come into compliance. So as you said in the beginning, we thought that this would just be the illegal conduct of the rogue administration, but what we're finding out is this administration is very willing to embrace that illegal conduct and own it themselves and continue it. I guess you could say they're all rogues in some sense here, but the fact that there are 5,000 people affected means that you've got a big caseload then of individual cases to resolve and somehow figure out, plus the entire process of bargaining back to 2017. So there's an enormous amount of work here then left to do. I would say it is enormous, and the sooner we start, the sooner we can finish. Unfortunately, the VA does not take that same approach. They are trying to delay and ultimately avoid having to account for their illegal conduct. And have you talked to anyone from VA about this? 
even if they're telling you they're not going to do it or they're taking their time to do it. I guess my question is, is it the same people that you would be bargaining with during the Biden administration that were not bargained with during the Trump administration? Well, see, that's the thing. We don't know who all is pulling the strings. Right now, it is the same attorney during the Trump administration. He's a career employee, so he wouldn't change. The political appointees would change, but it does appear they're still putting people in place who very much liked what was going on during the Trump administration and want to see it through, want to continue it now. So we have talked to the attorney for the VA on this case. We have talked to their bargaining team because very similar to the Trump administration, they're coming to the table. They're just not willing to engage in what they're legally required to do. They're not willing to bargain in good faith or carry out what's in an arbitrator's award. So that's what they did under the Trump administration. They would come to the table and then bargain illegally. So that's what we have going on now. They have no interest in correcting the failure to bargain in the past. And in fact, what they want to do is preserve their illegal implementation of the Accountability Act. Instead of us going back and fixing and talking as though it hadn't been implemented, what they've done is try to have us sign off on the guidance they developed in 2017 in direct contradiction to the arbitrator's award, which is we need to fix everything that resulted from their illegal implementation. As you know, federal employees have the opportunity to appeal to the MSPB or an arbitrator when they are fired or demoted or suspended more than 14 days. So employees did do that. We've had several employees who appealed to the MSPB, who appealed to an arbitrator. And this arbitrator said, you need to agree on what you're going to do with those employees who've appealed. We've submitted proposals to the VA on what to do with those employees. The VA rejected our proposals and didn't include any of their own. So they have thumbed their nose at the arbitrator who required us to come up with an agreement for employees who appealed, and they just refused to do so. We're speaking with Ibidin Roberts. She's an attorney representing the National VA Council of the American Federation of Government Employees. And getting back to the bargaining sessions, what happens? I mean, you sit across a table in a room from the VA attorneys, and the union says, let's talk about this, that, and the other. What does the other side do? Do they whistle Dixie? Do they play cards? I mean, how do they answer when you tell them these things? Well, first, we are meeting virtually. So we are being as reasonable as we can with the VA who wants to meet virtually. We've done that. We've exhausted that. We expect to start meeting in person soon. The other part there is the VA's attorneys are not in the room. So while we believe they are advising the bargaining team, they're not actually at the table. So when some of these conversations come up, the VA doesn't have an answer. They've actually said to us one time they had to go back to the VA attorney to find out what to do. (laughs) So if they don't even have the right people at the table to move us along, again, they're already not bargaining in good faith. We're required to have the appropriate people at the table to reach an agreement, and they haven't done so. They're not whistling Dixie, but they are unable to respond. 
I'd love to see the side chat comments going on in some of those Zoom meetings if, uh, that you can't see, but that probably they can see among themselves. I'm just guessing here. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we should point out the Accountability Act is still in effect legally, correct? That is correct. They're not using it. So part of what we received in the award was that they had to stop using it until they bargained with us. So you would think getting this done quickly would be in the VA's interest. But for some reason, and, and not for some reason, that they have had a number of setbacks with this law, including some recent court decisions. So I think what they're trying to do is extract some benefit from the union instead of having to correct what they've done before. And what is the date of the latest filing to the court to try to get enforcement of the arbitrator's action? So with the FLRA, we filed it, it had to be about two weeks ago. We're required to file unfair labor practice charges within six months of the date we should have known there was an issue. So here the arbitrator issued his final award in March. Neither party filed exceptions with the FLRA. That means we both accepted the arbitrator's award. But the agency has failed to implement each of the parts of the award in the past six months. So we filed it two weeks ago, and we expect to work with the D.C. regional office for the FLRA to proceed with enforcement of the award. And the interesting twist here is that the FLRA itself has a new composition under the Biden administration than it had under the Trump administration. So you would probably expect, I think, a somewhat more favorable responsiveness here. Well, actually, they're the same people. (laughs) But... Dubester, the one Democrat on the FLRA, is now the chairman as opposed to Kiko, who was the chairwoman under the Trump administration. But that's what's so interesting about this case, Tom. We won twice under the Trump administration's FLRA. That is how wrong the VA was with how they implemented the Accountability Act. We won twice under Trump's administration. So instead of allowing this to be the rogue administration's mistake and how they implemented it, they have now brought it into the Biden administration and are embracing it. We can't understand why this is happening. And by the way, how many VA employees are covered under this would-be agreement? Under the agreement, it would be all of the VA bargaining unit employees. So that is a little over... 100 and I believe 60,000 bargaining unit employees. For the employees they've already taken action against, it's about 5,000. So some of them are no longer employees at this point. But for the remainder of the bargaining unit, it's well over 100,000 bargaining unit employees that would be impacted by this bargaining. So now it's just waiting for what the court does with respect to the FLRA and the arbitrator. Ibidin Roberts is an attorney representing the National VA Council of the American Federation of Government Employees. Thanks so much for that update. Thank you for having me. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's 
Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, And I I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, Absolutely. Um, What I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? 
you have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I, I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters uh, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. <clears throat> Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is, is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. 
Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.